If you're new tonight, I just want to say we're glad you're here. Our prayer every single week is that you would feel welcomed and loved. You'd feel like this place is a place where you can feel at home. And also that you would encounter God's love for you. So during worship, maybe it kind of freaked you out a little bit when people are getting crazy, people clapping. Like the people up here get really cray. You know, sometimes I'm up here, sometimes I'm in the back when I'm feeling more calm. But uh, point is, we just want to invite the Holy Spirit to move. We sing about the Holy Spirit. We want to invite God to show up because we believe that he is real and he wants to speak to us today. So that's why we do those things. But we just believe that God wants to speak to you tonight. I really believe that uh, the message that God gave me is something that he wants to speak to. So I'm excited for that. Uh, my wife Emily and I come from different backgrounds, church speaking or spiritually speaking. So Emily grew up in a church that was very similar to Chi Alpha, so it's a part of the same fellowship of churches called the Assemblies of God. And in the Assemblies of God, we believe in spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues and prophecy and those kind of things. Um, I grew up in a little bit of a different tradition and, and didn't really experience that growing up. And when I met Emily at Chi Alpha and we started dating, uh, she told me that at her church, sometimes people would like stand up and speak in tongues and then someone would interpret it. And I was like, that sounds weird but also kind of cool, and I want to see it happen. So first time I went to church with Emily, I was like, I really hope that happens. That'd be kind of neat. And in the background, Emily and I were praying through something. We, were, we felt like God was asking us to get married and to transfer school so I could pursue ministry training because back then we didn't have an internship program through Chi Alpha. And I was so stressed about this. I was praying about it all the time. I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to transfer after my freshman year or transfer after my sophomore year? I was so confused because I felt called to help out here, but I also felt called into full-time ministry and just didn't know what that looked like. So we went to her church over Christmas break. It was my first time there, and it was like a worship night or something. And, and someone, sure enough, after like the second song, spoke out in tongues. And I was like, what's going to happen next? I was like, this is going to be weird. Uh, and then after they spoke in tongues, someone else interpreted it. And it was really weird because the person who interpreted it, like, they're speaking, like, perfect grammar, perfect English. It just sounded like God was talking. And I don't remember exactly what the person said. But in summary, I remember the Lord saying through that person, essentially, you've been questioning me and where I'm leading you. And I want you to trust me. I've gotten you this far. And I haven't let you down. And I'll get you where you need to go. And I just knew it was for me in that moment. I fell back in the pew. I was like, holy moly. One, it happened. Two, it was for me. God cares about me and wants to speak to me. Because there wasn't many people in the room. I was like, that has to be for me. And I was just so thankful that the Lord had spoken to me. And honestly, after that, I had complete peace about the whole transition. I didn't really worry about it the rest of that year. And we ended up uh, staying at UNI through our sophomore year and eventually transferred and got married. But I was just so thankful that the God we serve is, is a God who speaks to us. And I think... All of us in this room desire to be spoken to by God, to hear his voice, to hear his leading. It doesn't need to be a tongues and interpretation, although that could happen. But I think in general, we just want to hear God's direction for our lives, whether that be through the scriptures, whether that be through a thought we have or through something a friend says. I think we all want to hear his voice. And especially for you as you're in college, if you didn't know that, and you're probably thinking about your future a lot, like where am I going to live, what job am I going to what job am I going to have? Does that boy like me? You're like, God, could you just speak to me about my future? And, and one of the things I love about Jesus is he's not a far-off God who doesn't speak to us, but instead he's a God who is intimately interested in our lives, and he speaks today. So for the last years of the semester, we want to talk about how when Jesus 
comes into our hearts, he changes everything. Specifically, he changes everything about our inner world. He comes in and he, and he rearranges things. He gives us peace. We'll talk about that. He speaks to us. He carries our burdens. He just completely just shifts our inner world. And that's what we want to talk about. We're kind of playing off of the Christmas season with this idea of arrival. Like when Jesus came to earth, he changed everything. And also when Jesus comes into our hearts, he changes everything. And so the first sermon is called Jesus Leads You. And we're going to talk about how Jesus, uh, when he comes into our hearts, he begins to lead us. We begin to hear his voice. He's, as we see in our passage, he's a good shepherd who speaks out to us and calls us into his dream for our lives. So I'm excited to hear what God's going to say tonight and to, and to learn about how the good shepherd speaks to us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 10. I'd encourage you to pull it up on your phone, or if you have a paper Bible, I'd encourage you to do that. We'll also have it on the screen, but I'm going to really be going verse by verse tonight, so it'd be good to have the scripture in front of you in case it's not up on the screen. But in this passage, Jesus talks about how we are all like sheep, and he is our shepherd. In his time and place in the Near Eastern culture, sheep farming was a big thing as shepherds would intimately lead their sheep and direct them. And throughout the passage, he draws off this imagery of a sheep and its shepherd to give us some principles for how he leads us. So let's read it and let's see what the Lord has for us tonight. It says this, truly, truly, I say to you that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. It's like stranger danger, right? You're not going to listen to the stranger. The figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's a good word. That's encouraging, right? All right, let's pray over it, and we'll jump into it. Jesus, I thank you for verse 10 specifically. You came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. That is an encouraging word in our generation. You want to give us an abundant life. And God, I pray tonight that you would call us into that, that and that you would lead us into that. God, I pray that we would learn how to hear your voice and how to follow your leading. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I think these 10 verses, what they're saying essentially, it's groundbreaking because I just talked about it, is Jesus leads us into abundant life. This passage is a beautiful depiction of what Jesus, or Jesus' intentions are for our lives. I think sometimes we've wondered, does God have my good in mind? Does he really have my best interest in mind? Or does he actually care about me? How can a God who's above the hundreds of billions of galaxies actually care about me, just little old me? How could he care about me? I think we ask questions like, is God actually interested in the minute details of my life? If that's you, if you're asking those questions, I encourage you to read John 10, because John 10 tells us that he wants to lead us, that Jesus wants to gently lead us, and he is interested in leading us into abundant life. In the passage, the sheep are Jesus' people, and Jesus is the shepherd. And the thieves and the robbers, in the context of this passage, are actually religious leaders. In John 10, Jesus rebukes some religious leaders because he had healed a blind man, 
And the religious leaders are like, hey, you shouldn't be healing a blind man on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, do you actually care about these people? Or do you just want to use them for your own gain? Jesus is saying that these kinds of religious leaders who care more about themselves and are more interested in abusing sheep and using them for their own gain than in guiding and nurturing the sheep, these kind of shepherds or these kind of leaders are thieves and robbers. But I don't think this just applies to religious leaders. I also think it applies to any person or any any ideology or any religion that, that claims to have the keys to life, but instead they just want to or to lead you into destruction for their own gain. Thieves and robbers, I think, could be Satan and his demons, as they obviously don't have good intentions for us, right? It could be false ideologies. It could be anything in this world that tries to, st- or tries to sneak up on us and promise us life, but then it falls short. It doesn't actually give us life. Jesus says we are like sheep in a sheep pen. And those who are authorized to enter and have good intentions for us, they come through the gate. They don't sneak up on us. And most commonly, the shepherds come through the gate, the ones who are in charge of leading the sheep. But those who are interested in stealing from and wounding and hurting the sheep, those are the thieves and robbers, and they avoid the gate. They try to sneak up on you from the backside because they want to hurt you. I think this imagery of the shepherd coming through the gate and the thieves and the robbers sneaking up on us gives us an important principle about how Jesus leads us into life. Jesus does not sneak up on us, but is gentle He's nurturing. He doesn't have ulterior motives for your life, but he wants, or selfish motives, but he wants to lead you into abundant life. He has good purposes for you, and he's not hiding anything up his sleeve that's bad for you. God has authorized Jesus Christ to come into the pen of your life and lead you where you need to go. Jesus is a trusting presence. Verse 3 says, To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears his voice, He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So the shepherds of Jesus' time and place would stand outside the pen or the enclosure, and they would make their own specific calls for their specific sheep, because sometimes there's different people's sheep in the same pen. And when they would do that call, so think like, cuckoo, or something, I don't know, they make their call, the sheep would run up to him and sit there and be like, okay, what do you got for me today? But Jesus here takes it a step further, and he says that he doesn't just do his unique call for you, but he knows your name. He knows your name. He calls you out by name, gently speaks over you and says, Victor, come over here, buddy. I love you. I really do love you, Victor. You're stud. Didn't he do good on guitar tonight? He's just jamming out back there. Holy cow. But anyways, sorry. This shows us that Jesus knows each of his sheep. Each of us who put our trust in Jesus, Jesus intimately knows you. He knows your name. He knows all the thoughts you have, all the concerns you have. And he wants to call you out of your own worries, your own concerns, your own agenda, and call you into a, an abundant life. He wants to speak over you tonight. And if we're his sheep, we'll hear him and follow him. In verse 4 and 5, it says, And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So just picture Victor following Jesus. A stranger they will not follow. Okay, so Derek tries to get Victor to follow him. He's not going to follow Derek, right? But they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. That was stupid. Anyways, let's move on. (laughs) Here we get the picture of Jesus going before us, him speaking, and us following him as he speaks. I think this gives us another important principle. Jesus does not expect you to figure life out on your own 
or go somewhere that he hasn't gone. Instead, he goes before you. He clears the path. He clears the way, and he wants to lead you into a place where he's already been. He knows where he's headed, and he wants to take you in to that life. He t- or Jesus does this through a number of ways. One way he does this is through the Bible, right? He speaks to us through the Bible. He calls us in to his, to his will for our lives through the scripture. He also does this through Christian leaders and friends, people who have been trusted to lead you. He'll speak through them. He does this through sometimes thoughts will come into your head that you know are from God. And that's a hard thing to, uh, to learn how to hear his voice. That's kind of a life, I think a lifelong journey of learning to hear, is that God or is that me or is that Satan? That's a tough one, but, but sometimes thoughts or promptings will come into your mind. Jesus is not expecting you to figure things out on your own. He's not like, hey, I'm going to save you, and then I'm just going to ditch you and say, you figure it out. I'm not going to give you the Bible or friends or anything. You just go over there and figure it out. No, instead, he gives us all these ways we can hear his voice, and he's going to lead us to where he wants to take us. God has placed the word in your hands and the leaders in your life and the Holy Spirit in your heart and your unique thoughts and dreams into your mind so that you can be led by him. These verses also show us that if we're his sheep, when Jesus speaks to us, he doesn't sound like a stranger. His voice isn't alarming. It's not like stranger danger. It's not scary. Instead, it's calm. It's not restless. It's peaceful. It's a voice of comfort. And when Jesus speaks to you, if you're his sheep, it feels like home. It feels like, okay, I can trust that voice. So if you're hearing a voice in your head, and it's causing you to get anxious, and it's, it's, it's hurried. It's probably not Jesus, unless maybe you're hiding some sin, and he's like, hey, you need to bring that to me. And you're like, I don't really want to. That might be a time where you get a little bit concerned. But in general, when Jesus speaks to you, it's calming. It's peaceful. And verse 6 says that the people that he's talking to could not actually understand him. They didn't know what he was talking about. They could not understand him. And the reason that they could not understand him is their hearts were hard. And, and the people he was speaking to were the religious leaders, and and they were not Jesus' sheep. They did not want to hear his voice. Their hearts were hard, okay? And then in verse 7, Jesus changes up the imagery. So before he's called himself the shepherd, and now he calls himself the door to the pen. So what is Jesus doing here? He's kind of changing his role in the story. And what Jesus is saying when he says, I'm the door, he's saying that, that when you follow him, then you can be secure. The door represents security and safety. When you follow Jesus, you can be secure to know that Jesus has good purposes for you. He's not leading you somewhere that's going to hurt you, but instead, he is a place of security. Okay, so let's read verses 9 and 10. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus shows us that if we follow him, we'll find pasture. Some of you are like, I don't really know if I want to find pasture. I don't want to hang out there. But when I think of pasture, I think of wide open spaces. I think of abundance and provision as the sheep go and eat the grass, right? There's food for everybody. I think of life. I think of abundant life. The shepherd would lead the sheep into the pasture so that they could find their food for the day. And that's what Jesus wants to do for us. He wants to lead us into provision, security, to where he wants to take us. In verse 10, he says that if we follow him, we'll have abundant life. All other gods, all other worldly ideologies and leaders that, that we can serve come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life. When you follow Jesus and you listen to his voice and obey his voice, 
He will lead you into wide open spaces where you can dance and prance and do whatever you want in that wide open space. You can eat food for days. Provision, security, comfort, that's where Jesus wants to lead you. And I'm not saying your life's going to be perfect. No one's saying that tonight. There are some trials when you follow Jesus. But I'm saying you'll be in the center of God's will, and God's will is the best place to be. It's a life of freedom, of purpose, of joy, of intimacy with God, which is what all of us were created for. When I first started attending UNI, I had just given my heart back to the Lord, and one of my priorities was finding a godly wife. I knew I needed that to happen within a couple days of getting here. It's like, Lord, I wanted a, okay, I'm not going to get into that, but I wanted a woman. Anyways, the, that first week of school, I met three different girls who all were Christians. They all seemed great. I think I met them all in different campus ministries. If that's you, you're like, I know what you're talking about. I'll go to that ministry, that ministry. Okay, anyways, I went to three different campus ministries, met these girls. The first girl that I met and that I got to know, I just dove head first in with this girl. I was like, this girl's nice, and she's a Christian. It must be God's best for me. Things took off way too fast. And the last girl I met that week was Emily Kanoki at Chi Alpha. And that was the first Chi Alpha meeting of the year. And when I met Emily, I was like, crap. If I'm honest with you guys, I was like, crap, I already kissed that other girl. What am I doing? <laughs> so when I give you advice about, like, purity and stuff, it's because I was an idiot, right? I'm just trying to help you not be like me, okay? So I, I kissed that girl, and I was like, this, and I was like, Emily, this girl, I think she might be better um, for me, but I felt bad because I'd already gotten into a relationship with the other girl, kind of, so I was like, I better keep hanging out with the other girl, okay? And my relationship with the other girl took off way too quickly. We did things we shouldn't have, physically speaking, but I was also developing a good friendship with Emily in the background. I wasn't pursuing her or anything, but I was, you know, developing a good friendship, and I was torn up inside. I, I wasn't necessarily thinking I need to break up with the other girl for Emily, but I was just thinking, I don't know if this is God's best. And a guest speaker came to Chi Alpha. And he was about 25, just got out of graduate school, and he brought his wife with him. They had just gotten married. And, and he was speaking. I remember I was sitting on the drums. Well, we had electronic drums. I was sitting on the drums back there, and I was looking at this guy and his wife, and I was like, I want that. I don't want what I'm doing right now. I want that. These people... Like, they lived in purity, they're honoring God, they're pursuing the same things. It's like, I really, really want that. And I felt like the still small voice of the Holy Spirit or the, or the good shepherd spoke to me, and he said a couple of things. He said, as I was sitting there behind the drums, it's at the end of service, he spoke to me. He said, one, get out of the relationship you're in. It's dumb. You're an idiot. Two, he said, in the future, you need to honor God in purity and stop doing the dumb things you're doing. And three, don't pursue girls for a while because you can't handle it. I'm like, Okay. So that night, I went to Norn on the first floor. I sat in the hallway on the ground and talked to that girl. And I said, hey, it's not you, it's me. God told me to break up with you. Don't do that, by the way. But, uh, and uh, I walked into the unknown. I walked to where the good shepherd was. And it was, it was a little scary because I had done some dumb things. When I met that girl, she was actually dating somebody else who she's married to now. I got myself into a bad situation. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so far into this. But the good shepherd called me out. I followed him, and I never regretted it. The following weekend, I went to fall retreat. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, got free to pornography. I got to ride with Emily to fall retreat with some other people. And I was like, hey. Uh, but God said, don't date anybody. So I waited like three weeks, and then we dated. So... Uh, <laughs> Now we have a baby, right? 
Jesus has good intentions for you, right? But sometimes we don't listen to his voice because it's a little bit scary what he's calling us into. He's calling us out into the pasture, and we don't know what the end of that road looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus wants to gently lead you into the abundant life that he's purchased for you. He's gentle, he's nurturing, he calls out to you by name, and he leads you every step of the way. He's not going to leave you hanging. His voice is peaceful and it feels like home, and he's leading you out into the pasture, the wide open spaces where his presence and provision reigns. Tonight, I think Jesus is asking us to recognize his voice and follow him when he calls out to us. But the question remains, how is it even possible to hear Jesus' voice? Okay, so Jesus gets into this in verse 11. He says, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take, or to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Okay, so all that's to say that the reason we can have abundant life is because Jesus gave up his abundant life. You get that tonight. The reason why we can have the life where we hear God's voice, he, he leads us into wide open spaces of provision, is because Jesus gave up his. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. He's the ultimate good shepherd. And the way we know, the best way we can know that God is good is the cross, where Jesus gives up his life for us. He's, where Jesus is not just a hired hand who's doing his job, but he is intimately invested in your life. He's intimately invested in his sheep, and he is willing to give up everything for us. And when wolves come at us and things get hard, he doesn't bail on us. And maybe we don't know what that's like. Maybe you don't have relationships with, or with people where they'll give everything for you. Like we're, but instead, the people you have in your life, they just run out on you. But Jesus stays. He stays in the fire. He stays in the thick of things, and he hangs with you, and he fights for you. This is the God we serve, a God who doesn't give up too easily on us or give up when we've fallen astray or made some bad decisions, but instead he hangs with us. He fights for us. He fights off the wolves who are trying to ravage our lives. And on the cross, we see that the wolves of death and pain and the wrath of God and sin, they're all poured out on Jesus. He, he pays our penalty on the cross. Jesus stands in the way of those things so we can live because, because of our sin, we when we sin, we accumulate a penalty for it. The Bible says the wage of sin is death. So when we sin, the proper penalty is death. But on the cross, Jesus stands in the way of the wolf of sin. He stands in the way of the wrath of God, and he bears that himself. He pays our penalty so we can live. The reason that we can have abundant life is the good shepherd laid down his life for us. And now, if we trust in this Jesus, the good shepherd who gave up everything for us, then we can have freedom from death, sin, hell, and the grave. That is good news. Because of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, 
Because of that, we know that he is good. And we know that he is trustworthy. So when you have bad things happen in your life, which they're going to, things that you can't understand, there's going to be things that happen where you're like, how can God possibly be good? The thing you've got to do in that moment is look to the cross and say, I don't understand why this is happening in my life, but I know that Jesus gave up his life for mine. And if that's true, then he's willing to give up everything for me. And he's a good God. That's how you know. You won't understand everything. You won't understand when you have bad things happen. I still don't understand some of the bad things that have happened to me. But I know that my God is good. And I know that there's sin in this world. There's, there's death. There's destruction. There's an enemy. And I know that those things are raging against God. And Jesus stood in the way of those things on the cross so that we could have eternal life. That's why we can hear this good shepherd's voice. Because he laid down his life for us. In verse 14, he says, I know my own, and they know me. We can hear his voice. We can know this shepherd because of the cross. And then in verse 16, it, it says, in verse 16, we see that Jesus has a heart for all the nations to know him. Because up until this point, only the Jews were God's chosen people. But because Jesus gave up his life. Those who aren't Jews, which is probably most of us in here, I'm not sure if there's any Jews in here, but I think most of us, because Jesus gave up his life, those who are not Jews can actually be saved and be a part of God's family now. All the nations of the world, every person in the world who trusts in Jesus can become one fold, one body of Christ, because Jesus gave up everything. And this is not something that God made him do. It's not like Jesus begrudgingly got up on the cross. No, Jesus chose to do it. He has authority to lay down his life. He has authority to take it up again. He did this on his own accord. He gave up his life freely and without coercion. And this is all to say that our shepherd who calls us into life has good intentions for us. He's interested in you. He cares about you. And he can be trusted. And you can throw all your weight into him knowing that he has good intentions for your life because he laid down his life for you. As I shared earlier, after Emily and I started dating, we felt this call to transfer schools and to get married. After I heard that, that word at Emily's church, I largely put it on the shelf for the time being. But the next year when our sophomore year started, we had to begin praying about it again as I knew that God wanted us to do this, or I thought I did. And we had to figure out if we would transfer after that year. And Emily was really scared about transferring for a couple of reasons. One, we both had, you know, full-ride scholarships, so that was scary financially speaking. But two, her parents weren't super excited about it. Like, whose parents would be excited about that? Like, yeah, give up your full-ride scholarship to go into debt. And we're still paying off the debt, but that's besides the point. The good shepherd's got us. Thank you, Jesus. But anyways, we were praying through that. And then after our fall retreat of our sophomore year, it was really exciting. You know, fall retreat's an exciting time. I'm like, we're staying here. We ain't going nowhere. This is way easier and, and we won't go into debt. This is going to be great. But then as we, or as we left that dream of transferring and pursuing ministry training, both of us began to feel this strong check in our spirit, this, this feeling that, like, hey, we're not doing what the shepherd is asking us to do. It was as if the good shepherd was screaming at us, do not miss my voice. I am calling you to do this. You need to do it, and you need to trust me. And with that, we went all in on transferring, and we took steps to do so. And all of our fears about the money and the lack of community and starting over again, all that got taken care of. And we definitely lived paycheck to paycheck, but, but God provided for us time and time again. And that season was pivotal for this season. If I hadn't went there and got training, I don't think this would be happening right now. 
Jesus knew what he was doing, and he spoke to me. And the reason that me and Emily could trust Jesus in that season is because we knew what he did for us on the cross. We knew if Jesus gave up his life for us on the cross, then if he's calling us into this really scary thing where we accumulate debt and move to a city that uh, we don't know anyone at, if Jesus gave up his life for us, then we can trust him in that. So the question tonight is, what is the good shepherd asking you to do? What is he calling you into? And do you doubt that he has good intentions for you? Do you doubt that he's going to take care of you? And if you do, just look at the cross where he gave up his life for you. You can trust in this Jesus. You can throw all your weight in him and follow him into the pasture. I think there's one more thing from John 10 that Jesus wants us to look at tonight, but it's a little bit further down in the passage. It's in verse 26. It says this, But you do not believe me because you are not among my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The last thing tonight is if we are his sheep, then we will hear his voice and, and respond to it. We'll respond positively to it. Jesus tells the Jews that they did not believe in him because their hearts were not in a position to hear him. They were not his sheep at this point. They weren't listening to him. They weren't following him. He tells them that you can know my, or you can know that you're my sheep if you hear me speaking and then you follow me when I speak to you. As you follow me, you'll be given eternal life and no one will be able to snatch you out of my hand. I think this tells us a couple important things tonight. First, it tells us that if when God speaks to you, if you debate with him, if you resist him, if you don't follow him, then you may not be his sheep. I don't say that to scare you, but I say that to maybe tonight you need to have a come to Jesus moment. Because if you resist his voice for long enough, you might stop hearing it. So tonight, if you've been hearing God's voice telling you to do something and you, and you have not done it yet, I pray that you would hear his voice and be his sheep and follow him. But the second thing it tells us is that there's no one who is Jesus' sheep who can be snatched from him. In other words, the devil cannot take you from Jesus. The devil is not that powerful. He's powerful, but he's not that powerful. The king of kings can keep you in his hand. The devil ain't snatching you out. And your friends ain't snatching you out. There's nothing of this world that can snatch you out. If, if you're in Jesus' hand, he has you. He's watching over you. He's not going to give up on you. And you can have confidence that if you trust in this Jesus, he'll have your back. He's going to take care of you. That doesn't mean, again, that life's going to go perfectly or that you won't face opposition, but it means that you are secure in Jesus. He's not going to run away from you. He's hanging with you forever. But if you walk out of his hand, he'll let you because he's not going to force you to follow him. So the devil ain't taking you away. Your friends aren't taking you away, but you can choose to walk out and say, I'm not following you anymore. There's no one who can make you listen to the shepherd. And there's no one who can take you from his hand. But if your heart isn't right with him, and if you're ignoring him, then you can walk out of his hand. And tonight, we need to make sure that we're listening to his voice. And when we hear his voice, whether that be through the word, through a friend, you know, whatever, we need to obey it. And we need to follow our shepherd. Okay, so you may wonder, what are some practical things? What are some practical pieces of advice on how we can grow in hearing God's voice. Well, I got a couple of things for you, and then we'll be done. And I stole most of these from Pastor Dick Schroeder. Okay, so if you remember him, he spoke here about six weeks ago, and he spent time with our staff, and he taught us how to hear God's voice. So he's smarter than me, so I took some of this from him. Some of it's my own idea, but it's all from the scripture, okay? So the first thing is if you want to hear God's voice, then read 
is to read large chunks of scripture in context every day. Don't just read the verse of the day, because that can be out of context. You cannot understand what that's saying. Instead, say, I'm going to read at least a chapter of the Bible a day, and I'm going to keep reading through specific books. So start in John 1 today, and then read John 2 tomorrow, then read John 3 the next day, and read it in context. I promise you, if you read the Bible every day, you're going to hear God's voice, because this is God's word, right? That makes sense, okay? I think that's, that's groundbreaking tonight, but I just want to encourage you with that. The second thing is I encourage you to take a time each day to sit, or to sit quietly before Jesus. So no Facebook, Instagram, no phone, no perhaps even no music. Sometimes I like music to help me focus, but get everything off the table or off the couch, whatever, and just sit there and say, Jesus, what do you have for me today? And try to sit in silence before him and see what he might put in your mind. It's crazy what happens when all the distractions are removed, okay? The third thing is when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you better respond to it, right? So conviction is not condemnation. There's a difference. Condemnation says you're no good, you can never measure up, you're terrible, and you should feel shame. Conviction says, hey, I've made you for more than this. So instead of doing your own thing, step out of that and step into my dream for your life and change some things. Okay, so when the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, follow him and obey him. Fourth thing is seek godly counsel. God has placed leaders and Christians in your life to be people who can speak God's voice for you. So sometimes we can't hear clearly, but our friends can. And we're like, thank you for encouraging, or encouraging me with that. I have a group of pastors, about four or five of them, who I call all the time. Adam Colossic gets called like three times a day by me, so God bless his soul. And there's other pastors I call too, and I say, can you help me? I'm not very smart. I need your help on this. Guys, we need to have godly counsel, and sometimes they'll say things that I was not expecting. I'm like, I definitely think that's from God, and it will reorient my life that day. A fifth thing is when Jesus speaks, obey him, okay? Obey Jesus. If he tells you to do something in his word, then obey him. For instance, if he tells you to be generous with your finances, then do it. Don't say, I don't make enough money right now. No, start giving today because the word says it, right? We don't need to argue with it. We just obey it. And if you obey Jesus, you'll be able to hear his voice more in the future because he knows he can trust you with the last thing he told you. If you haven't obeyed the last thing that Jesus told you, he's not going to tell you something else. He's going to say, go obey that first, and then you can hear my voice. All right, the last thing is when Jesus calls you to do something or to do something that's a little bit scary, take that risk. Take a risk. I really believe that God doesn't use anyone who doesn't take risk. He only uses people who are willing to take risk and trust him. So if Jesus is calling you to do something that might scare you, step out into the water, so to speak, and see if he might help you walk on water. That's what happens. The only way we can see miracles happen in our life is if we take risk and trust God even in the unknown. Okay, and if you do all these things, I promise you, you'll start to hear the shepherd's voice. You can take that to the bank. I promise you'll hear him. At least through the word, right? This is the one place for sure. You know, this is God's word. All right, the main idea tonight is this. Jesus is eager. He's eager. He wants to lead you into, into the life that you were created for. But, but you have to let him. He's not going to force you, right? When Jesus speaks, you have to obey him. You have to listen to him. You have to follow him. Jesus is eager to lead us into the life that each of us were created for, but we have to let him. Every week, I take a little bit of time at the end of my sermon writing, and I pray, and I say, Lord, can you tell me what groups of people are going to be here tonight? Can you help me to speak to different groups of people? And, and, and this afternoon, I, I felt like the Lord said there's going to be three different groups of people here tonight. So if you're here tonight, which is everyone who can hear my voice, then hey, let's listen to this and see if God might be saying something to you, okay? So I think some of you came in tonight, and you're a Christian, and you're actually doing a pretty good job of listening to God's voice. You're 
obeying his word, but you're questioning if it's all going to turn out for you, right? You're like doing what he says. You're like, I don't really know if this is going to work out. Like, I'm going to obey him because I don't want to get in trouble, but I don't know how this is going to turn out. And you may even question when things get hard, like, is Jesus actually asking me to do this? Because this is kind of hard. This is harder than I expected. And you're, and you're wondering, is my obedience going to actually end badly for me? You know, so maybe, and, and I think there's a number of different ways this applies, but maybe you've decided to, or to give up drinking alcohol because you struggle with, or, or because you struggle with getting drunk. And you're wondering, if I give up drinking alcohol, am I going to be able to have friends and have a social life and meet people, meet people of the opposite sex? You're wondering those questions. And if that's you tonight, I just want to say that Jesus had to you. He's going to provide you with community. He's going to provide you with other things to do. I think there might be some people who maybe God's saying, you need to play less video games. Like 10 hours a day is too much. I would say two hours a day is too much. I'd say one hour a day is too much. I'm just saying, maybe once a week you can play like two hours, but then don't play it all the rest of the week. I'm just kidding. We can talk about that later. But point is, like maybe God is calling you to spend your time more wisely, and you're wondering, what am I going to do with my time? You're wondering, how can I do that? I've played video games for at least two hours a day since I was like 10. How am I going to do that? That was like serious conversations I had with God. Because if I didn't play Madden every day, I was like, my life stinks. And Jesus started to call me out of that and said, hey, maybe you can spend your time doing different things. I just want to say to you tonight that as you give Jesus your time and trust him, he's going to bring better things into your life. Okay, so maybe you're here tonight and Jesus has called you into, or called you into ministry. Or he's called you to change your major. And you're wondering, how am I going to be able to pay the bills with that major or going into ministry? Jesus says that if he's called you, he'll provide for you. If he's called you into the pasture, he's going to provide the grass, right? You need to obey him tonight. I don't know who that's for, but I believe that that's for somebody. You need to obey Jesus. He's not calling you to crunch the numbers in your head, but he's calling you to, or to trust the one who provides all the numbers, right? Trust him. Jesus does not need you to figure out your whole future. He just needs you to trust him. Jesus has you. He would not lead you into anything that's not good for you. It may not go the way you want every step of the way. It may not be easy, but he will accomplish his purposes for your life and help you become the person that you were created to be if you would just obey him and trust him and follow his leading. I think there's others here tonight who you're a Christian and you're struggling to hear God's voice or maybe you're not obeying his voice. If that's you, I just want to remind you, we've said this, but I want to remind you that Jesus wants you to obey him and if you want to hear more of his voice, you have to obey the last thing he said to you. Okay, I think that needs to be said again. If you want to hear his voice for your life, if you don't want to be dry anymore, as we talked about, then you need to obey the last thing he said to you. Okay, so think about the last thing Jesus told you to do. Say, did I obey that? If the answer is no, we need to obey that tonight. All right? The third group of people tonight are those who came in here and you're not a Christian at all, or maybe you once were and you've walked away. And tonight you're just here checking this out. And I think the main thing that Jesus wants you to know tonight is that he loves you. He has good purposes for you. Maybe you question, does God have good plans for my life? Tonight I'm here to tell you that Jesus has good purposes for you. He has good intentions for you. He created you. He knows everything about you. And he knows what life is going to bring you into the pasture, so to speak. He knows the right life for you. And the right life is to trust him, follow him, and obey him. And he's calling you into that tonight. 
as we talked about Jesus laying down his life for his sheep, I think tonight that Jesus wants you to see the cross, maybe see it with clear eyes for the first time, because we've all heard about the cross, right? But to see it and to say, wow, I can have life because the God over the hundreds of billions of galaxies became a human, right? He became a human baby, which like, like they pooped their pants, right? He became a human baby and he gave up his life for you. He lived his life for 33 years just to be put up on a cross. He did it for you. He loves you. He laid down his life because he wants you to have life. If that's the God we serve, we can trust him with everything, right? So tonight, if you're not a Christian or you once were and you walked away, tonight the shepherd wants you to come to him and say, I trust you. I'm going to follow you out into the pasture, all right? I believe that's what Jesus has for us tonight. I believe that's a good word. I believe that Jesus is leading us into abundant life. And as we follow him into the abundant life that he's purchased for us, you're going to change the world. I believe that. And you're going to help other sheep find him and follow him. God is calling us into this. Can we stand and can we pray to this king? Can we pray to this good shepherd who even right now is calling out to you by name? He's speaking to you and he has purposes for you that he wants you to step into. All right, so bow your heads and close your eyes. I think there's two ways to respond tonight. And the first way is that if you came in here tonight and you recognize that you're not in right relationship with God, Maybe you've never trusted Jesus with your life, or you have, but you walked out of his hand, so to speak. Tonight, Jesus wants you to trust him and to experience eternal life because of the sacrifice that he paid for you, okay? So the way we're going to do that is I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want you to slip up your hand. And this isn't just like a religious act. This is saying, Jesus, I need you. Please save me. Please call me into eternal life. Okay, so one, two, three. Three, slip up your hands all across this room. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Is there anyone else tonight? All right, I'm gonna pray for you. And I think the good shepherd is gonna call you into the pasture tonight, okay? So Jesus, right now, God, we trust you. And we say, thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. Thank you for being the good shepherd. God, there's so many thieves and robbers in this world who want to hurt us, but you're the good shepherd and you're calling us into life. And you prove to us that it's and that you have good intentions for us because you laid down your life for us. And tonight we throw all of our trust, all of our weight into that. And we say we love you in Jesus' name. All right, and the second way to respond tonight is this. If you just want God to begin to speak to you more, if you want to be able to obey his voice when he speaks, I want you to lift up your hands. We're going to worship. And I just want you to lift up your hands and begin to ask him, say, Jesus, begin to pray it in your own in your own words, or in your mind, just pray and say, Jesus, can you begin to speak to me? Can you call me into the pastures? So Jesus, tonight, God, we ask you to speak to us. We ask you to be the good shepherd for every single soul in this room. God, we ask you to call us out by name, not just to call us out in general, but to call us out by name into your specific purposes for us. And God, I pray that each of us would have the courage to obey you when you call us to. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. In your strong name we pray. Amen.